I want to turn our attention towards God's Word, and we've been in this series called False Discerning Truth from Air, and so we're going to look to Galatians 5 as we uh, glean from God's Word this morning, but as we've said through this whole series, I want to take us back and remind us of the two premises that we've looked through this entire series, everything through this lens. One is that God is for God, that he is passionate about his glory, that he is concerned ultimately with himself, and that we should worship him in his fullness. And two, that he's designed the world to work a certain way. So he has what's best for us. He has knowledge uh, for good for us, commandments, obedience to scripture. He knows what's best for you and I. And so when we come against these two things, that's when we're in a whole bunch of trouble. That God is for God and that he designed the world to work not in the way we think it should work, but in the way that he thinks it should work. And so with that, this morning I want to talk about... um, truth, but with, with this idea of, of how do we love in that. You see, we can talk about knowledge, and we can talk about all these things as we have for weeks. We talk about truth and how to discern error, and talk about more truth, and talk about how what we need to know and dive into the scriptures, but without loving in that truth, it doesn't mean a whole lot for us, and it is not certainly the right way, and we are not good at that. I confess that in myself, and so we're going to turn to God's word and glean from its truth this morning. So be in Galatians chapter um, 5, uh, verses 13 through 15. This is kind of a springboard to where we'll go in, in premise. And it's one of Paul's letters uh, to the churches and later in the New Testament. So it's kind of near the back of the book if you're a little more unfamiliar with the Bible. And I think as we said, there's a Bible table in the back if you ever want to follow along in the translation we read from. This is what it says. For you... We're called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. With that, as always, we read God's word. I invite you to pray. Pray that he would speak to your heart and that he would... uh, teach you, and that you would glean truth, and that you would apply it, be a, not just a hearer of the word, but a doer also. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. We praise you for your goodness and love. We praise you for your word, its truth. Praise you that it's relevant for us today. It's not just set back in history somewhere, applicable for only the churches in the first century, but it's for us today. Father, it's living and active. It can penetrate our heart, dividing our soul and spirit. And Father, I I pray that it would do that, that it would speak to us. And even if it's uncomfortable, as it often is, that we would glean from its truth and that we'd apply it to our life. And Father, that we would ultimately please Jesus in all things, that we'd exalt him, that we would grow up in him, that we'd be joined together now. And we pray all these things in his mighty name. And all God's people said... So I want to start this morning with a thought exercise, if you will, with two examples. Think of it this way. One is uh, maybe familiar to us. If you took your car to an auto mechanic and you took your car into the shop, as many of us do, and you went into the shop and, and the mechanic said back to you, gives the car back, and he says, hey, this car is doing pretty well. You must have somebody taking really good care of this car. And he gives it to you and you leave and you think, all right, well, I noticed something was wrong. And you drive it away and, and you notice the brake fluid is low and the brakes are, are horrible and the brakes might not work. And you could die from this. You find this out and you go back to the mechanic and you say, 
did you even check the brakes and the fluid? Did you know? And he's like, uh, I did. I knew, but I, I didn't, I didn't want to tell you. And because I felt like, you know, you, I wanted you to have a good experience here at the mechanic and I wanted you to feel loved and accepted. So I just, I didn't tell you. You'd be furious. You'd be bothered. This is my life at stake. Think about another example. You go to the doctor's office and you go in and they do the full workup, the examination. They do all the blood work and they send you on your way. And he says, you're pretty healthy. Go on and, and live well. And you learn soon that you start to experience some symptoms of fatigue and you start to feel not so good. And you learn that in that blood panel that you have cancer in your body. And you go back to your doctor and say, why didn't you tell me? You saw the blood work. You saw the lab results. Why didn't you tell me? You'd be furious. Doctor says, well, I, I just didn't have the heart to tell you because cancer is terribly hard and it's destructive and for your body and I know that your family would just have to go through all this stuff. And so I just, I'm sorry, I just, I didn't tell you. We live in a world, this stuff happens all the time. These are extreme examples, but truth often isn't shared with us because we don't want to hurt people. Because it seems unloving. We just want to, to love people. And so we, we won't say hard things. And I think back in the way that we receive it, sometimes we won't receive hard things because it just seems unloving. And you and I, and I confess this first and foremost, I am just not good at it all the time. And we can be good in it in a different way. One or the other, most of us in this room, if we're human, which we all are, lean towards one or the other in a more full way. We either learn toward, lean towards truth or we lean towards love. And however God has wired you, you probably struggle like I do. I am more of a truth teller. So I will often share truth and I'll do it in a way that is often not as loving as it should be. That's my bent. Some of you may do it the opposite. You may be a lover and, and you just cannot say hard things to people that they should hear and be able to hear because you just love them so much that you don't want to hurt them. And we see that Jesus was this blend, perfect blend. He came in grace, fullness of grace and truth. He was this perfect blend of both. And when I look at that, I say, I don't, God, I don't, I don't even know how to do that sometimes. And we struggle. And so I want to talk about that this morning. How do we love with truth? How do we tell truth in love? And this text in Galatians is kind of a springboard for that reminding us of our calling. Giving you the context of this passage, what's going on in chapter 5 here? Paul is dealing with this circumcision issue. You have to understand what's going on to understand this text. There is Jewish believers who have been circumcised in the Old Covenant, and that's the way. And then there's these Gentile believers being added to the church. They're coming in, and people are saying, no, 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 you need to be circumcised. You need to do this if you want to belong to us. And they're making it hard for them to just come into the family of God. And you see, they're adding something to Jesus. Paul is very clear. He says, we are saved by faith alone. There's nothing more that you need. There's nothing more you need to do. There's no work of flesh. We couldn't, that's why Jesus came, because we couldn't fulfill the law. We were completely in sin, and Jesus came and paid the debt. We just sang about all that. He's done that. And so you're adding something to these brothers here. You're adding something to them. And so he runs through this idea in chapter 5, talking about we're free in Christ, and he gets to our text, and he says you're called to freedom, only don't use that freedom, that grace in which you live, as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. 
It makes it very clear. In the whole New Testament, we'll look at examples that love is the aim of our calling here as Christians. For the whole law, then in verse 14, is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We don't do this well at times. I don't do this well at times. But we looked at the great commandment last week in Mark 12, and Jesus said, love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. That's loving God, obedience to his word, his commandments. And then Jesus summed up the, ne- the next set of commandments, love your neighbor as yourself. Love people. You love God, and as you love God, that will flow through you. You will love people. And so Paul says, remember, Christian, what your goal is here. Your aim is to love people. And then he says this in verse 15, the warning. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. He says his warning. He says, knowing that you're sinful, and that's why the warning's there, knowing that you're not going to be good at this all the time, you better be really careful that you love people as best as you can, because if not, you'll bite and devour people will consume. And this, of course, applies for the believer here, that this quarreling and this devouring of each other, but certainly in our world, look out in the world, the landscape of even our country. People are consuming one another with words and hatred over the most glaring thing right now in our country is political. People are eating each other up over their political affirmations and allegiances, and, and this is what it is, and you just and hatred is just flying at each other. And Paul says, be careful. To the believer, if you do that, you'll consume one another. And to the world, we know in all relationships, because this applies to all relationships. Be careful. Don't bite and devour. If so, you'll be consumed. And if you're consumed by each other, you're certainly not going to be consumed by Jesus. Certainly. And so Paul writes this warning over this issue And the question comes to us then, and I'll ask it of all of us, do you love your neighbor? That that is a penetrating question, and it seems so simple, but I'm asking, as you think about all the things that you have had in conflict, all the quarrels, all the disagreements, family members that you have, do you love your neighbor? Francis Chan is a popular pastor in California, and he tours around, and he speaks at places, and he was giving this message, and I listened to it, and he was telling um, this story about how when he preaches, he prepares himself in a certain way, and he said he was over side stage with somebody before he was going to come out and give this message, and the guy, another pastor, another teacher said, so I'm just curious, how do you prepare to go and speak in front of people? And he said, you know, when I go and I preach, I picture only God in the room, and I just picture God because I just want to please him, and I want to say what, what he wants to hear. And so I don't worry about the people. I just, I, I want God to be the only one in the room and I want to look at him and I want to please him. And he says, that's what I do. And so that's how I preach. And he says, well, what about you? And the guy says, well, my approach is a little bit different. And he says, I, I you know, I appreciate that re- approach, but he says, when I go into the room, I look at people's faces and, and I ask myself this question, do I love these people? Do I love these people? Do I love these people? And am I going to tell them things out of love? Do I love? We can imagine Francis Chan was like, oh, I feel like this big. I just had one person in my audience, which was good. But the challenge was there. We can know all that we want and say all that we want. But without love, it doesn't mean a whole lot. 
And this has been a challenge to myself lately. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 8, there is a knowledge that puffs up and that you can have, but it says love builds up. We've been talking about discerning truth and knowing truth and learning truth, protecting against falsehood, but now what do you do with it? If you don't love in it, it's not going to work. It's not going to build up. And again, friends, I confess, I am not good at this, even of late, and I struggle as you do. And so what do we do with the things that God's word says that we know and that we look at? How do we love in that? And so I invite us towards four simple things to keep in mind in all of our relationships. Not a lot of uh, maybe practical example will be used here as these are four running ideas as we think about how do we do this and honor Jesus in the process. And I think Pastor John Piper breaks it down. These aren't necessarily foreign concepts, but these four things that we'll look at together one by one, and these are them. Truth aims at love. It's number one. Love aims at truth. Number three, love shapes how to speak in truth. And number four, the reverse. Truth shapes how to show love. We'll look at these four things, the first one being this. Truth aims at love. In 1 Timothy, Paul is talking to Timothy about how to lead, how to, how to be a, a godly man, how to be a pastor in a church. And we covered this in the first week of the series, this text. And he says, I want you to protect against false doctrine, and I want you to provide a shelter, and I want you to do this thing, and you have to know, and you have to be resolved. And he's instructing, don't let other things come in, endless genealogies and these godless myths and all these things. But what does he say in verse 5? The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. The aim of the charge is love. That you can do all that stuff and we got to do all this stuff and we got to protect the truth, but the aim is love. He says that's the aim of it. Truth-telling, teaching, instruction is not the goal. Love is the goal. That's the aim. Instruction is the means. It's subordinate. Truth serves love. So if you're going to share it, the aim better be love. Truth serves relationships. Mainly the relationship between us and God. That is how we know. We come to know the eternal life is knowing God, salvation. But then truth translates between Christian and Christian. Believer and believer. Believer and unbeliever. Unbeliever and unbeliever. The goal of all knowing and learning and grasping and sharing truth is love. He says it's the aim. It's really clear. He says, this is what I want you to do. The aim is love. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, another good example of this. Some of us know this text. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. The aim of our considering one another and encouraging one another is that we stir up love. And I love that phrase, stir up. I love it, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because in my context, when I hear it, usually it implies something negative. This is something that you and I say to our kids when they're teasing their siblings, right? You're just stirring them up again, aren't you? You're just stirring them up and mixing it up with somebody and trying to annoy them. And so here he writes this stirring up. Let us do that. Let us mix, mix it up with truth and love. That we stir each other towards love and good deeds. We mingle insight into this confession of our hope. 
We're giving towards that with insight into each other, caring about each other and the effect then stirring each other up in love. The truth of doctrine is to aim at love. If you're going to be a truth teller, you have to aim at love. Is this loving? The second one is love that aims at truth. In the famous love chapter, and some of you have heard it because you've been to a wedding and they read 1 Corinthians 13, this laundry list of, not in a bad way, laundry, it's a really clean laundry, of list of things that love is. And Paul writes, this is what love is, this is what love is, and look at verse 6. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love is glad when truth is spoken. Love is happy when it hears truth spoken. It rejoices. That's one of the characteristics of love. It rejoices when truth comes. That's love. It just, it just rejoices over it. And Paul has several examples of this in his letters to the churches of how this love aims at truth. And to the Corinthian church, Paul had to say a bunch of hard things. If you know those letters, and if you read those letters, you know that he had to say a bunch of really hard things to the Corinthian church. They were in some false doctrine. They were, they were, there were some immoral brothers. There was sexual immorality happening in their fellowship. There was just a bunch of things going in chaos. And he has to say a bunch of really hard truths to that church. And they were a messed up church, which is pretty much almost every church. Full of sinful people. We're going to have problems throughout our time on earth. And he's addressing this very messed up church with some very messed up things. And he's drawing truth. But he is also led by love. He's filled with love. And that comes from this letter. And it compels him to write this letter that was hard. And it causes him sorrow. To the point of anguish and sorrow over this letter. And love speaks this truth personally. In 2 Corinthians 2.4 we see the most glowing example of this. For I wrote to you, he's speaking to the Corinthian church here, out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. When I said all those hard things, it wasn't to cause you pain. It was because I love you. I have affection for you. I want what's best for you. He cared so deeply for the people that he wanted to, them to know the truth. You and I as parents, we understand this. Sometimes we have to share really hard things with our kids because we want to keep them from harm. Sometimes we have to share really hard things with each other because we want to just, and that's what, the, that's what the hardest part about relationships is because we don't always know when to do that. Like, I love you, but if I say this, it's going to offend you. It'll just blow up. But if I care about people, I will share truth. Love rejoices in that. That's what it's after, and, and it's this question that I draw up again. Do you care deeply for people like that? Do you care for lost people like that in a way that I will share that your life is running off the end of the cliff, that you don't, you don't, you're not following Jesus, you're not submitting to God, and I'm going to preach the gospel, and I'm going to tell you that Jesus loves you, and I'm going to show you that, that God loves you, and I want you to know because I don't want you to suffer in eternity. That is our Depth and love for lost people comes from that desire, and we share truth because of it. We know the world doesn't always receive that truth, but it should be born out of love. And sometimes in our life, hard things need to be said, but it must be born out of love and care, which leads to the third. 
Love shapes how to speak the truth. Listen to this from Ephesians 4.15. Nancy just read it earlier. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We are called to speak the truth in love. Now we know, and I'll let this settle in for a moment because it'll shock you. There is an unloving way to share truth. Process that and it'll take some time. There's an unloving way to share truth. All of us have done that, I'm sure, at some point in our life. We often do it in the case, but there is a way that we should speak truth in love. That's the aim. That's what we should seek. And it's not always, I should clarify, not always a soft speak. It doesn't have to be. If we always said it that way, we would have to look at Jesus and accuse him of speaking some really hard things to people in the Gospels. He said some really hard things to people in the Gospels. He said some really hard things, but he did it with love and concern. If we truly care for people as Jesus cared for people, if we're in a good spot spiritually, we will be able to share things, hard things, in a loving way. It asks, what is the most helpful thing to say when everything is considered? And again, we struggle with that. But it asks that question, what is the most helpful thing to say when all things are considered? And 2 Timothy 2 gives us some instruction in this in verses 24 and 25. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Remember, love aims at truth. And so the goal is when you tell truth in a loving way, that it will lead that person to knowing the truth more. The goal is that if I speak in a loving way, the goal will be the knowledge that leads to repentance, if there is repentance to be had, ultimately that it would lead towards Jesus, that people would grow in the understanding. If I share truth in that way, people will be drawn to the magnificence of Christ. That's what will happen. Ultimately, in the gospel, it's God's loving kindness that leads us towards repentance. And so while there is judgment that sits upon the sinner's head, that is the bad news, if you will, of the gospel that all men fall short of the glory of God, all have sinned. God's judgment weighs on our head his righteous wrath that we should be punished, we should die. And Jesus comes along and he says, I'll take that. I'll take that. You can be forgiven because of what I did at the cross. And when we love people with the truth, that draws them towards God. That's our hope, is that they will be drawn towards the kindness of a loving God. They will be drawn in repentance. They will humble themselves. They will grow. But sometimes our emotions get in the way of all that. That's why we need to give it in a loving way. But you and I also need to receive it in a loving way. Sometimes truth needs to be said to us, and we don't want to hear it because we don't, we don't, we don't like it. And we don't really care about how it's being dealt towards us because it's often not being dealt towards us in an often way. And so that doesn't diminish. Sometimes we hear truth in an unloving way. We still need it. But you and I need to be both givers in love and receivers of truth with a lot of grace. Some people have said to me some very hard things in my lifetime. I was a young man, and I've shared this before. I was 18 years old, and I had grown up in the church, and my youth pastor 
kind of gently pulled me aside, and he had given me this verse in my graduation card, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, and he basically said, you're an arrogant young punk. That wasn't fun to hear. He says, I watch you. I watch you interact with people, and you're just full of pride and arrogance, and you just care about yourself, and gave me some examples. That did not feel good, but it needed to be said. It needed to be said because that's who I was. That's how I was acting. And he said it, and I knew that he cared about me. That was the thing. He could say it because I knew that he loved me and he cared for me and he wanted to point me towards the repentance that I needed in Jesus. I've had people tell me I'm lazy before. I had a mentor tell me I'm lazy. That's not fun to hear. I wanted to call him lazy back. But you hear these things, and I knew that he cared about me. So I made the changes that I needed to make, and I did that. I had a wise older man in our church that we served in years ago, and he came to me and he said, I want you to know something about yourself. You hold grudges. You know, I never forgave that guy. (laughs) You know, I needed to hear it. He said, I want to just, he gently did it. I knew that he loved me, and he said, I just, this is what you do, and, and I see it played out. He was showing me things I didn't even really see in myself. And it led me to repent of those things. And I'm not perfect at it. But he helped me and he did it because he loved me. People will say some really hard things. And the ones that have stuck with me, because they're God's word, but they're truth, are often the ones that were done in love. They were hard to hear, but they were done by people that I respected. And I knew they cared for me. So love shapes how we speak truth to one another. You can't manufacture a care for somebody. You can't make it up. You either do or you don't. And when you love somebody, you can say hard things, but it's shaped by our love, which leads me to the fourth one. Truth shapes how to show love. This one is super important. They're all important. This one is just truth shapes how to show love. It is not always obvious which acts are loving. You and I will struggle with this in our world, especially with an unbelieving world out there. It is not always, even somebody during our fellowship time asked me, this is my struggle, how am I sharing this with this people group? And these are, this is, we, we have to be really cautious in this. We don't always know what actions are the most loving, what truth to share. And truth is then shaped how to show it. We don't always know the best way to truth people. You know, we see, you've all seen them. We see people uh, in the Capitol Square or people in bigger cities that have signs, turn or burn. My heart cringes a little bit. I agree with the message, but I'm like, I don't know that that's going to do it for people. Like your judgment on their life. You have no relationship with that person. I'm not disagreeing with the truth of that statement of God's judgment, if you will, but I don't know if that's going to work. And some people, sometimes we don't know what's the best way to truth people. So John tells us, It's as if God knows this will be a problem. He tells us truth. This is how you'll know if your acts are loving in 1 John 5, 2, and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. One truth test for our love is whether we are keeping the commandments of God towards people. Whether we are keeping it Ourselves. In other words, love cannot be cut loose from the truth of God's will. If you and I 
are looking to God's word and we're in a good place spiritually and we're serving him and loving him as best of our ability. We're not going to do that perfect. So we will have error in there. We will sin in there. We're not going to do that the best that we know how. But if we're loving God well, only then can we love others well. You see, it's just not going to work if we're not loving God, if we're not looking to God's word ourselves, if we're not in a good place spiritually to share truth, we likely won't be doing it in love. You and I cannot begin to fire off truth to people when we have not been obedient to God ourselves. And I'm not talking about perfect obedience because we all need Jesus for a reason. I'm just saying that you and I should be walking with God. We should be looking to his word. We should be spending time in it, praying, looking to word, his word, and then Go and share that truth. But you cannot think and I cannot think that it's going to go well when I'm not doing those things. Often that's what causes more division is when that happens. We can go out and hurt other people. And again, we do it. And we have Jesus for that. And I confess that in my own life, I've done that. And we look to him and his grace for that. But we can't think it's going to go well if we're not in a good place ourselves. Words will be harsh if we're not in a good place with God. But they shouldn't be. They should be gentle. So before you go and tell the truth to people, are you in a good place? And this goes to what I said last week about political rants. Look at our country. That insert that we had, that tool that that we had, that last one was so important. Abraham Lincoln, we referenced, he would get so mad at people. He'd send off these hot letters. And instead, he just took a day and he said, all right, I'm going to pull that one back. I'm going to calm myself down. I'm going to get myself in the right place. I'm going to recenter myself probably on God as we think he was a man of faith. And then most of those letters weren't even sent because he wasn't about to just like run people over without being in a good place himself. Truth shapes how to love. You can't begin to think that you can do this without loving a person. And I even told this person out in the comments when we were talking about this, I've learned with a particular um, group culturally, a sin in our culture that we struggle with, then I was challenged even as I prepared. I don't know that I really even love them like I say that I love them. That's what God's word does. Like I asked that question of all of us this morning because I've asked it of myself. Do I really love people that, that are living in sin, unbelievers that are doing this? Do I really love them? I say I do, but do I love them? Because I can never begin to think that I could share a truth, the truth of God's word, if I didn't really love them. Those are the four. And a final word about the last two. You can flip them. You can show truth, and you can speak love. You can speak truth, and you can show love, but you can show truth and speak love. Actions, as we know, sometimes speak much louder than words. It'll line up. I took the criticism from these friends and mentors because their actions lined up. I respected them enough to hear it. When they came at me and said, you're arrogant, I saw in them a humility that wasn't arrogant. And so I could say, well, it's easy for you to say. When when somebody came to me and said, you know what, you're kind of lazy, I took them as a hardworking person. Their actions lined up, and so I was able to hear that. When somebody said they hold grudges, I watched them struggle through conflicts and relationships, and they didn't do that. Not that they were perfect. I'm sure they did it at some point, but their actions matched up. And so they showed me truth in that, and I was able to hear that better. And we can speak love. How often do you do that? I shared earlier with our kids especially. 
who need a lot of grace? Do I speak love enough rather than just, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. Grace, 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 grace. And then we'll go again. More grace. Okay, I'm trying to be gracious. Do we speak love? Do you come into Sunday morning and say, not just how are you doing in a superficial way of, like, I don't really care, but I'm asking because I have to, because I'm a Christian. I just ask, how are you doing? But do I speak love? Hey, I saw you working in this ministry and you did a great job. Hey, I saw you pouring your heart out to those kids. Hey, you know, you were, you know, listening to kids say verses at Awana. And I know the kid comes up seven times and he doesn't know the verse, but he just wants your signature. So he comes up and you did a really good job just being patient. How do we speak love to people like that? We need to do that more. I need to do that more to encourage one another. Speaking love. Think about those friends that, that you're struggling with, the family members that you're struggling with, that you just don't see eye to eye on things. Have you just spoke love to them? Instead of every time I come at this person, it's always just like oil and water. Speak love. You see, Jesus was the best at this. He was the best at it. He's put completely sinless. You read the Gospels, you read his, his accounts, and he was so good, perfect at this. I read it and I envy this and I desire that and I can't get it right all the time as I come to it. But Jesus, probably the most clear examples in John 4 when he says, don't sin, but come to me. So he says that at the same time. He says, it's really change your life. But I came to die for you. I love you. So he says a really hard thing, but it's done in love. And you just look at that like, I want to do that better. I want to be that better. Jesus did that amazing. He was full of grace and truth, and we need to do that better. His message was love and truth. He shared both. The hard truth of the gospel that he said, repent. God's judgment is on you. That's why I'm here. You need to turn towards me as the Savior. And the hard news of the gospel was we need Jesus. We need to repent. We're wicked. That's the hard news of Jonah and his day with Nineveh, you need to turn towards God as the children of Israel. Turn back. You guys are wicked people, and we need that. But Jesus followed it. I came to serve and save. It's the sick who need me. He says, come to me, all who are heavy laden, all who are burdened. I will give you rest. His compassion was overwhelming. How can he do this? Share truth and love in this way, ultimately pointing towards the cross, his greatest act of love and dying for us, laying his life down for us. In the greatest act of love and sacrifice. Do you want to know how much I love you? I'm going to take all of your garbage, all of your sin, all of your evil, and I'll put it on myself, and I'll go to the cross. I'll die for it. My God will turn, my Father will turn his back on me. That's how much I love you. I'll leave my high position in heaven and come to this lowly estate so that you could be known by me. That's grace. And you and I need to know that and celebrate that every week we come into that place that ought to blow our mind. How deep the Father's love for us, that he would pay a ransom for us. And I pray that you would know that today. Maybe that's the first time you've ever heard it in that way, that God loves you despite you. He paid a price for you. And that's because God is for God. And he designed the world in a way that we should honor him and he paid the ultimate price in the gifting of his son. And I pray that you know that truth. And you and I 
who know that need to keep our eyes on him so that we can be more like Jesus as we carry that message of love to the world. We won't always get that right. I won't always get that right. I haven't gotten that right even recently. And we will have him and his forgiveness when we get it wrong. But as a people of God, let's try to do it more right. We ought not to bite and devour one another. That's what the world is doing. Let's be different than that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, help us. Help me to model love better. Help me to truth better in love. You know my struggle. I know it. You know everyone's struggle in this room. You know what side of that spectrum we lean towards in, towards more in. Some of us love with such empathy and compassion, we just don't tell people things they need to hear because we don't want to hurt them. We're like that mechanic or doctor. And Father, some of us just run people over with the truth. Just run them right over. Forgive us for both of those. Father, help us to balance and look to what Jesus did. Father, help us to confess when we get that wrong. Help us to mend relationships. Help us to see you for who you are. Father, there will be hard things that need to be said. There's no doubt. New Testament's full of them. You're full of them. Hard things that need to penetrate our own heart. Hard things that we need to stay away from. Hard things that we need to go into. And those will be said. But Father, I pray that we would be receivers of them in grace when they need to be said. And Father, help us model that. Help us show your love to others in a way that it aims at love, even in our truth-telling. So Father, I pray today that we might know you in the fullness of your grace and love, fullness of your truth. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you personally, that they would recognize their own sin, that they would repent from that, turn towards you, and accept the free gift of salvation. As we learn in Galatians 5, it is just faith in what Jesus has done at the cross. That's what saves us. And so, Father, if there is one in this room that would cry out to you for that salvation today, that they would ask for your forgiveness and welcome your grace because Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, we can have a new life. Father, that is from your love. May we be messengers of that love, tellers of that love, givers of that love. May we live as a model of that love and sacrifice. Father, help us do that as a people. Protect us, guard us, grow us, change us. Do what you need to do in us so that we can look at Jesus more fully and grow in those things. Father, you are great indeed. Your name is above all names. And I pray that we would just worship you and sing to you now in that. Praising Jesus, praying these things in his name. And all God's people said, as we should be children of God's love going to the world, I leave you with this from 1 John 4, for all of us, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love 
one another. Have a blessed day and go in peace.